Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. I have spoken with uh, a lot of people before that have told me that they can cognitively accept the fact that God forgives them. Okay, They can cognitively accept that. They understand that that's what Scripture says and that that's what Scripture means, but that they can't feel that or that they can't forgive themselves. So they know that God is a God of forgiveness, but it's not necessarily something that they actually feel. They have a very difficult time forgiving themselves. People really struggle with living freely. They are often followers of Jesus. They often profess the same beliefs and views that that we do, but they have a very difficult time living within this freedom. Now, there is really only one reason for this. It's not the greatness of their sin. It's not all of the people that they may have hurt. It's not all of the bad memories, you know, the things that constantly come back regarding the past. The reason some people can't feel forgiveness is because grace is yet to penetrate deep enough within their system. It's there. If you've accepted Christ, if you're following Jesus, it's there. It's just not penetrated deeply enough within their system. A lot of people that are within the church or profess to be Christians are kind of like prisoners that are, are, are just within reach of the key. It's amazing how many people live with an overwhelming sense of guilt believing that God is always mad at them. It's actually a lot of people. And this is what we're going to talk about today. We are in part two of a six-week series titled Rhythm, the true story of God's grace. We will miss God 100% of the time if we don't have a firm understanding of what grace is and also what grace does. And this is what we're talking about through this series. At Believer's Church, our mission is to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. We just finished up a vision series. And as most of you in here already know, this is what we're about. This is why we exist. This is what pushes everything that we do. But this is impossible. It's impossible to fulfill this mission without the empowerment 
of grace. We also want grace to permeate and, and, and move through our community groups, which I want to highly encourage you. If you're listening online right now because you're not able to make it today, if you're in the room right now and you weren't able to make the orientation last week, please still show up tonight. We have a group for you. Some of our groups are going to get into this discussion in a much, much deeper way. It's going to start at 6 o'clock tonight. So what I want us to do today is travel to Paul's second letter. This is 2 Corinthians, and we're going to be in chapter 5 if you want to turn there. Otherwise, you can use your phone. You can look up on the screen, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, and Paul's mission in Corinth is also his focus. The mission is to show the amazing grace of God that is found in Jesus and to reveal the power and ongoing work of reconciliation. So to take this idea of reconciliation, what this means is to take something that is wrong or something that has been wrong and then make it right. And that's what God is in the business of doing regardless of how destructive, hurt, or broken your life may be. That is what God does. And this is very important for this church in Corinth because they really need to be able to reconcile the past as the past. They really need to be able to place that into perspective. This letter is also said to be Paul's most personal, as it is written in defense of his life. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 4, 14 through 19. If you're there, otherwise, you can follow with us on the screen. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 19. This is what Paul is writing. The love of Christ controls us because... We have concluded this. So this amazing source of love, because this is what the gospel is ultimately about. This amazing force of love, it controls us because one died for the sake of all, therefore all died. He died for the sake of all so that those who are alive should not for themselves, not live for themselves, but for the one who died for them, and raise them. What he is saying here is that once you've experienced the resurrection of Christ internally, your life is supposed to look a certain way and be filled with love. He'll, he'll, we'll see this further. So then, from this point on, we must rec we must not we won't recognize people by human standards, even though we used to know Christ by human standards. That isn't how we know him now. So then, if anyone is in Christ. That person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arrived. All of these new things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and who also gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And we'll talk about what that means. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ by not counting people's sins against them. He has trusted us also with this ministry of reconciliation. So how is it today that grace helps us overcome the past? Because I know that there are people in here right now, people that will be listening to this online and also later through the podcast, 
that are deeply, deeply struggling with the past. This could be something recent in the last few months. This could be something that is 30, 40, or 50 years old that you continue to carry. You're in church on a regular basis. When people talk about God, you feel very comfortable talking about God. But internally, there is always this pull that you're just not good enough. You don't measure up. This thing that you did, or these things that you did, these things that you were part of, even if they were several years ago or just the night before, keeps you away from God. There are some of you right now that if you were bold enough to speak out loud, you would say, that's me. I don't know if I'll ever be in a right relationship with God again. I don't, think, I don't know if ever, things are ever going to feel normal again because of the way that relationship ended. Because of how much I hurt that person. Because of the addiction that I struggled with, the battle that I had for so many years. Because of the way that I've treated my wife or the way that I've treated my husband. Whatever this might look like, the past is always coming back. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give you three ways that we see in this passage today. Because we're talking about the true story of God's grace. Not the true story of religion. Not the true story of bondage. Not the true story of confinement. But instead the story of freedom. The story of liberation. What it looks like for an absolutely horrible person with deep scars and struggles. To walk out a free child of God. This is the reality of grace. And when we talk about broken, broken people becoming Devoted followers of Jesus. We have to have a firm understanding of what this grace is. And what this grace looks like. How do we apply it to our lives? So the first thing I want you to see is that we must invite the love of Christ to control our lives. We must invite the love of Christ to control our lives. For a lot of you, social media controls your life. For a lot of others of you, a bad relationship controls your life. For others of you, doctrine, tradition, theology, whatever it might be, how much of the Bible you know, it controls your life. The love of Christ must control your life. Now let me be clear about something. If you are actively following Jesus, this love already controls. But what you have to do is offer an invitation every single day for this love of Christ to control because what you're doing is you're welcoming in freedom and you're shunning the past. It's a process of repetition because we do have an adversary. We do have an enemy that likes to bring the past back up and tell you that you are a failure and tell you that you are incapable and telling you these are the reasons that you will never be good enough for God. These are the reasons, these are the problems that you have that will never make you okay. So verse 14 says, The love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this. We have come to a conclusion, something that we must understand. One died for the sake of all, and all sin, therefore all died. So with the crucifixion, and the death of Christ, all sin within you dies whenever you come to Jesus. 
This is what we celebrate during this Lenten season. As we look forward to Easter, as we look forward to the resurrection, it's not about putting on your nicest clothes and taking the family pictures in your yard of you this one day of the, of, of the year that you get this dressed up and who you're going to see at church or Easter egg hunts or anything like that. It's a celebration that predates, it's a precursor to Easter that we're building up to right now. And this is the best news you are ever going to get in your life. Ever. You think, well, my, my, my son got into the college that he wanted to get into. My, my husband was cured of cancer. I got the promotion. I was able to retire the way that I wanted to. We wanted three children. We were able to have three children. All wonderful things. But nothing compares to what you have in Jesus. The restoration, the newness, and this love has a penetrating effect on everything that you do in your life when you invite it to control you every single day. And this is the invitation that you must give. Now, now this is especially difficult for some of us that struggle with a very works-based view of God, like myself. So whenever I'm doing well, and I'm in the Scripture, and I feel like I'm really trusting Him, and I'm doing the work that a pastor is supposed to do, and I'm treating my wife and my kids the way that I'm supposed to, all those different kinds of things, God must love me more. But when I make a mistake... When I fail, when I blow up in anger, when I recognize that I have neglected being in the Scripture for a few days at a time, when I recognize that I've been on my phone so much or paying attention to so many other things that I'm not praying the way I should, I just feel like this dark cloud, like God must be so disappointed in me when the reality is that His love has never changed. Brennan Manning said this, and this is... This is Incredibly, said this in the book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. My deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I have done nothing to earn it or deserve it. You see, for many of you, your deepest awareness of yourself is your insecurity. Your deepest awareness of yourself are your mistakes. Your deepest awareness of yourself are your problems. Your deepest awareness of yourself is your addiction. Your deepest awareness of yourself is your depression. Your deepest awareness of yourself are all of these other things, and not that you are loved at all times by God, and in a way that no one else ever could possibly love you. See, this, this has to to soak in. You see, this deep awareness did not come about because Brennan Manning had good, happy emotions all the time. You know what I mean? Like whenever you feel really good and you've been to a church service and it was a good church service and you feel like you had that moment where you really grew through it and it was just like a, a really meaningful thing and all of a sudden you think, well, God must love me more. And it wasn't that. If you know anything about Brennan Manning, you know that he had a deeply focused life of meditation in which he constantly had to tell himself on a regular basis 
despite what I've done, God loves me greatly. Despite where I've been. And you may think, well, well, what could he have done? You know, what could be so bad? Brennan Manning held on to a horrible secret in his earlier life. He was a priest that was also a struggling alcoholic. Jesus by day and drink by night. He fought for sobriety. He fought. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You have to fight for sobriety and lived by grace. From Brennan Manning's last sermon, this is what he said. John the disciple, Jesus loved, ended his first letter with this line. Children, be on guard against false gods. In other words, steer clear of any god that you can comprehend. Abba's love, and he used the word Abba a lot. Abba is an Aramaic word that Jesus used not for father, but for daddy. Like a very intimate Aramaic word that is the most intimate possible relationship that you can have with a parent. He said, be on guard against false gods or any god that you can comprehend. Abba's love cannot be comprehended. I'll say it again. This is a direct quote from him. Abba's love cannot be comprehended. Manning would go on to call grace the signature of Jesus. So we must open our hearts to the invitation that we are loved, that the love of Jesus is present in your darkest, most difficult moments of self-destruction, of insecurity, of doubt about everything, that the love is present. But also we must embrace this reality of the new creation. All right, we must embrace this reality of what is called uh, the new creation. And this is very, very difficult for some people to accept and to understand that whenever they are in Christ, they are new. Verse 17 says this, So then, if anyone is in Christ, not just anyone, but the person who is in Christ is a new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, the new things have arrived. Please hear this, because I know this is for, if, if, if anything, it's for one person that is in here today. If not multiple people, this is for one person that is in here today. You have permission to let go of the past. You have permission, not by me, but by God to let go of the past. All is new. You can let go. You have permission. All the pain, all the guilt, the incompetent parents that you grew up with, the girl or the guy that you hurt really badly, the jail time 
the abuse that very few people know about. The horrible thoughts, the pleasure that you took in hurting others, the arrogance, the self-centeredness, all of the bad decisions over a long period of time. Please hear this. If the Son had set you free, you are free of everything. It's new. The past is the past. And the only one dealing with the past is you. Move on. Step out. New creation means this. His mercies are new every day. All of the former things within you are no more. God forgets and forgives the past. As you say, really? Is that possible? He like forgives it and forgets it? Isaiah 43, 25 I am the one who wipes out your rebellious behavior for my sake. I will not remember your sins any longer. Hebrews 10, 17, 10, 17 and 18. I won't remember their sins and their lawless behavior. When there is forgiveness for these sins, there is no longer an offering for sin. No burnt offering, no grain offering, no sacrificial animal offering. You are free. And I know that this is hard to accept. And I know that this is difficult to believe, but when you are in Christ, you are free. And I want you to know that if you're in here and you say, I don't have that freedom. I am in bondage. I don't know what a relationship with God looks like. Maybe I'm in a relationship with God. Maybe I'm not. I'm just not certain I understand these things. The connect card that you had whenever you brought it in, all you have to do is write on that card and turn it in before you leave. Matt, I'd like to talk about this. I'd like to know, I am struggling with this kind of past. I am struggling with these kinds of difficulties. I cannot get over what happened to me between my ex and I. I cannot get over what happened to me with a bad relationship with one of my children. I cannot get over the addiction and how much I hurt my family. I cannot get over these things. And we can have a conversation one-on-one. And we can talk about these things and how you can walk forward in the grace of God, in complete liberation and in complete freedom. The third thing that I want us to recognize this morning, and this is also part of this daily practice, is that we must make reconciliation a daily practice. And what this is, this is the process of making things right. It means that when relationships have been damaged, it means that whenever people have been hurt, it means that whenever we've made really, really big mistakes that sometimes are awful, because we have been reconciled to Christ, we learn how to reconcile among one another. This is also a way that we deal with an incredibly painful past if it was 30 years ago, if it's fresh. That's how we deal with it. Verse 19 says this. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself. How? How was he doing that? By not counting people's sins 
against them. He has trusted because of this, us, with this message of reconciliation. So this is what this looks like. If this grace, if this gospel, if the power of the cross is truly this powerful, and we can receive forgiveness from our past, we then learn through a ministry of reconciliation how to step into damaged relationships in our lives or even people in the moment who hurt us or offend us. And even though we get upset and struggle with that, because of the grace that has been poured into us, we learn to pour this grace into other people. You see, your witness is never going to be effective if your approach is simply inviting people to church. Your witness is never going to be effective if your approach is simply telling people what they are doing wrong. Your witness is going to be effective when you're constantly reconciled to Christ through your sins, past and present, and then you learn how to pour this reconciliation, making things right, into other people. Because I am going to make you a promise. If you are a person that struggles with shame, and I'm going to say that's at least a quarter of the people in this room simply by the reality that we're human. Maybe more. Could be the majority of the people in this room. And a lot of the people who feel that they don't deal with it, they've just not dug deep enough inside to everything that's there. What pushes your motivation to work all the time? What pushes your motivation to always talk about yourself? What pushes your motivation to gossip and talk about other people? It's often because shame is at your core. It's often because you have a very difficult time reconciling your own past and your own difficulties. But whenever you step into this and whenever you understand what it looks like, it completely changes everything. The problem is, a lot of times, is we try to fix things for ourselves. Let me ask you this. How many of you know what this is? Does anybody know what this is? No clean freaks like me? Okay. This is a magic eraser. If you have children under the age of three, you should know what this is. If you don't, you can thank me later, okay? Because what my kids like to do is my, my kids, used to be Cora, now Levi, to take a marker or a pen or anything they can find and write all over the walls, all right? So Beth will give me a call around 2 o'clock. You don't want to come home. What happened? Levi's marked all over the walls, Okay? So you have this little thing right here, and at first I thought, it, there's a reason they call it magic. All right, but here's the problem, and I don't even know if Beth's ever noticed this or if she even cares, but I'm a little OCD. Because, when it, not that you needed to be told that, but whenever I use this thing and I clean up the, the stain, like the mark, it actually, and I guess it's because of the chemicals within it, actually makes a discoloration on the wall that to me is just as bad as the stain. So it's like the mark is no longer there, but the paint on the door or the wall, I know I have problems, but the paint on the door or the wall is slightly discolored. And here's the point. You can't use this thing to fix a problem without seemingly creating another problem. 
you're never going to be able to manage your past. You're never going to be able to manage your mistakes. You are never going to be able to fix those things on your own. But here's the thing. Grace as if, as, is as if the stain never existed. And here's the best part about it. God has no memory of the stain. This is the power. This is the freedom. This is the liberation that you have the honor of living into. And this is our story. The constant process of reconciliation is also what enables us to forgive others and move forward in reconciliation. So what is it that we do with this today? All right, going back to our three points, and, and, and this is something that you struggle with. If you want to take a picture of this next slide, if you just want to try to write these things down really quickly, I promise you that if you struggle with the past, that this is something that's going to work. So we've identified our need to invite the love of Christ to control us, to embrace the reality of the new creation, and to make reconciliation, understanding our nature as sinners, and also forgiveness through the power of the cross as something that we practice every day of our lives. We're inviting this love in, asking God, control us through the power of this love, not through how I see myself. We embrace the reality that we are made completely new and that our sin has been wiped away and we make reconciliation with God, and then also with others, a daily practice. When mentioned in Brennan Manning, we said that he had this, this meditative practice that I think is very important because we do have an enemy. We have to remind ourselves of these things on a regular basis. We have to tell ourselves like every single day. Otherwise... That affair that you had, that bad relationship that you had, that person that you hurt, those things years ago that were stolen, all of these things have the ability to creep back into our lives in which we tell ourselves, I'm just not good enough for God. Please understand, this is a lie from the pit of hell. And you must see yourself as difficult as it is and as long as the process sometimes takes as a redeemed child of God. And I have no, idea, uh, no doubt that some of you that are in here today are, are hurting. That some of you that are in here are in a, a difficult place. And what you're hearing today does not have to be temporary information. It doesn't have to be just another Sunday where you enjoyed the message, but then went back to life as usual. One more time, this is Brendan Manning. My deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I have done nothing to earn or deserve it. 
I'm reading this book right now called The Cure, and I didn't even plan on, on using this in this message, but I came across this just a day or two ago, and I knew that I needed to share this with you because it just, it profoundly stayed with me, and I felt like it also fit so well with, with what we're talking about. This is what the book says. This is what the author says. What if there was a place so safe that the worst of me could be known and I would discover that I would not be loved less but the more for telling it. That's Abba. That is our precious Father that is inviting some of you today to let go to stop carrying all the weight and if the baggage is so great that you, can, you don't feel like you can completely leave it today that you start the process of working through this I'm going to read that one more time what if there was a place that was so safe some of us need safety that the worst of me could be known and I would discover that I was not loved less. But the more for telling it. How could you turn that down? How could you walk away from that? How could you not see the beauty that everything that you've done, that everything that you carry can be placed at the foot of the cross? And you can be set free. As the band starts to come up, we're going to open this altar this morning. And if there is something that you need to come down here and you need to lay down, if there is some resentment, if there is some hurt, if your past is unbelievably heavy, and you need to talk to Jesus about it this morning. As we close out in worship, I want to invite you to come down today. Father, we lift you up. We thank you. Uh, we praise you for your goodness, God. And, and, and I know that because of, of the adversary, the enemy, and that because of some of our personalities, Father, it's just in our wiring. We're just we're doers. And when we're not doing and we make mistakes, Father, we carry a tremendous amount of weight and it was never ours to carry. But Father, for the, for the hurt that's in this room, for the pain uh, that is in some of the hearts of people that are here today, Father, I pray that we kneel down and we leave these things to you. And we will pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.